Welcome to the Monocle Podcast. We are an independent management consulting firm, and in this podcast, we discuss our latest insights and opinions to help you achieve exceptional performance in banking and insurance together. I'm Guy Wilding, Monocle's research manager based here in Johannesburg. And on today's episode, we're joined by Abu Nadat, one of our senior executives, to chat to him about the Saab's deposit insurance scheme, Abu's experience with one of South Africa's largest banks as they prepare for its launch. Abu, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Guy. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Abu. So the Saab's it's released its first discussion paper on the DIS, the deposit insurance scheme, in about 2017. And it's like a coincidence that it's kind of the same year um, as the collapse of the VBS mutual bank. But from that, the scheme seems to have been gathering kind of significant momentum over the last few months. So can you explain the purpose of a deposit insurance scheme in South Africa um, and also give us a little bit of insight into how it's going to operate when it comes online in the next few months? Sure. I think, firstly, it's very interesting to note that South Africa is one of the few countries in the world that does not currently have a deposit insurance scheme. So this is common practice in most other parts of the world. Um, And as you mentioned, with the collapse of VBS Bank in 2018, as well as the springing up of new banks in South Africa, the South African Reserve Bank saw the need for South African banks to adopt this new regulation. Essentially, and as the name suggests, it is an insurance provided by the Reserve Bank to protect depositors from bank failures. It provides a mechanism for the orderly, pre-planned and efficient provision of funds in the case of a failure event. The coverage is limited to 100,000 Rand per customer and will be paid out within seven days of the bank failing. The reason for the capped amount is that the scheme is meant to protect depositors that are less financially sophisticated. So the everyday man on the street that uses their deposit account to pay for rent, school fees, groceries, etc., The scheme does include both personal and business accounts, and all deposit-type products are covered. The regulator has now also included credit balances on certain bank assets or credit products, such as credit card, home loans, and vehicle loans. So if a customer holds a positive balance on their credit card, the bank needs to include that in their covered amount for this insurance. Products such as e-wallets and vouchers are currently out of scope, as these are fairly new banking products and there is no universal or standard international best practice for handling these products. So these will be covered in a future version of the insurance. We've seen the launch of the information regulator to enforce Poppy. Um, Who will be managing the deposit insurance scheme for South Africa? In terms of operation, the Reserve Bank has created a subsidiary called the Corporation for Deposit Insurance, which I'll refer to as Cody going forward. And basically, Cody was set up to manage and enforce the deposit insurance regulation. Banks will basically be required to identify all depository products, sum up balances per customer, and provide eight monthly reports to Cody. These reports cover simple and complex accounts, beneficiaries, and total balance views. Based on the total in-scope deposit balance of the bank, there are three payments that need to be made to Cody. The first is an annual levy, equivalent to one basis point of the total covered amount, which will basically be used for the operational expenses of Cody. The second is an insurance premium, equivalent to 20 basis points of the total covered amount, which needs to be paid quarterly. And finally, a liquidity portion of 300 basis points of the total covered amount, which is essentially a loan that is held by Cody, and interest will be paid to the banks on this amount. 
the amount is adjusted as the total covered amount changes. So basically, this is a temporary liquidity measure in order to allow Cody to build up the required funds from premiums to cover depositors in the future. So Guy, in a nutshell, deposit insurance is a means to protect depositors from bank failures and adds further stability to the overall South African banking industry. That fact that you mentioned about having to pay out those deposits in seven days and kind of the expediency that's required, I think is super important because um, I was reading uh, recently that the VBS depositors, they only got their deposits back through through Nedbank and with the help of the SOB four years later, basically at the beginning of April. Uh, so that kind of expediency to to get people their life savings or their, their savings back to them as quickly as possible is, is really important. So the concept of the scheme uh, seems fairly simple with um, 100,000 Rand cap per customer. But we know when it comes to execution, that's where the, the complexities and the different problems arise that we see. So what are some of the pain points that you've experienced on your implementation journey with the banks? Correct. As with most things, the theory seems pretty simple, but there are always challenges with implementation and execution. From our experiences with deposit insurance, The biggest challenges revolve around data, product and customer data in particular. I'll start with product data. So identifying in-scope products is easy, as it's pretty well defined by Cody. However, the challenge is that banks historically operated in silos, and different products run on different systems. These systems all run on different data models, and unfortunately, not all product systems contain the attributes required by Cody. We've had to do extensive analysis across all product systems to identify the gaps and obtain guidance from Cody on how to best treat these. Products also operate in different ways, which adds some additional complexity. A good example of this is the handling of interest accruals. So some products allow the customer to select whether interest is accrued at a group or subsidiary level. And this makes it very complicated when we're required to report balances on a subsidiary level and the customer selected to accrue interest at a group level as there is no way to then determine the interest per subsidiary based off the single accrued amount. And those are just some of the challenges around product data. And next, and probably more importantly, is the customer data. So Cody requires reports to be provided on a single view of customer level, which would be great if a single view of customer did exist. However, as I've previously mentioned, due to the historical siloed nature of banks, customer information has also historically been captured into various product systems, with no standard data sets across the product system. This creates two problems. Firstly, various customer records contain different sets of data. And secondly, this allows for the creation of duplicate records for the same customer as customer records on one system are not checked when new records are created on another system. Another challenge brought about by the siloed approach is a different treatment of client hierarchies across systems. This adds a lot of complexity when trying to bring customer records into a central repository inclusive of all relationships. In addition to this, duplicate customer records could also be created when customers originate different products at different times using, for example, two different passports. This sometimes results in a second customer record being created for the new passport number. These factors make it extremely difficult to create a truly enterprise-wide single customer record. So Abu, why is it so important to have that enterprise-wide single customer view? Sure, that's a good question. So the inability to identify a single customer record for multiple accounts means the need to cover each account up to 100,000 Rand, as opposed to just the customer for 100,000 Rand. 
This results in an increase in all the premiums and levies mentioned previously. Another big challenge is the handling of formal complex accounts, such as trust accounts, which are managed for the bank by third parties. The third party is seen as a customer to the bank. However, Cody requires the information of the beneficiaries of the account. In cases where the beneficiary cannot be identified, the bank will need to include the full account balance in the covered amount and not just the 100,000 rand cap, further pushing up all the levies and premiums. Once the bank is happy with their data quality and have compiled the eight reports, they then need to be sent on to Cody monthly. Cody will then run their own data quality checks on the reports and even cross-check this with customer information from other banks. If Cody identifies data quality issues within a bank's reports, they may request ad hoc reports, which need to be submitted within 48 hours and with the relevant C-level sign-off. There are also penalties levied for bad data. So Guy, as you can see, it is extremely important for the banks to get this right. And if not, there can be significant financial implications. So we've also seen uh, the Saab and Cody release their discussion paper on data definitions and reporting requirements. So we saw the topic of data governance come up um, in BCBS 239, which is a popular topic here at Monaco. Um, And there's further publications coming around uh, system assessment guidelines, as well as uh, a data privacy survey. And I'm sure that's linked to Poppy and its effective dates in July. So can you shed some of the light around these topics and how banks have been addressing them so far? I think it's very important to mention that Cody have been very good in terms of communicating with the banks. They've been in regular contact, providing honest and open feedback. They continually invite discussion and input from the various banks and have generally shown an openness to all considerations in order to make the scheme work in the best manner possible. The data discussion paper was released in February this year and outlines the reporting requirements, including the information required in each report, report formats, details around resubmission of reports, And the paper also provides information on fines for late submissions and data quality issues. The paper does make allowance for more granular reports at an account level for banks that are unable to provide reports at a single view of customer level. This, however, will will only be an interim measure until such time that the bank is able to provide a report at customer level. Finally, the paper proposes to the banks to extend the BCBS 239 to include deposit insurance and basically requests inputs from the banks around this proposal. The covered guidance and covered deposit survey is planned for release in quarter three this year and will request information from the banks on topics like foreign depositors and the treatment of various Sharia accounts. This is just another example of Cody working closely with the banks to try to shape this regulation. In addition, the payout paper is also planned for release in quarter three this year and will cover how payouts to depositors will work. The aim is obviously to provide the most efficient way of getting the money to the impacted depositors. The system assessment paper that you mentioned currently has no planned date, but this paper will most likely include a checklist for the system assessments that need to be carried out by banks, so details on all the checks and balances that need to be done in terms of processes and systems. It will also cover possible checks that will be performed by Cody on the banks, The paper will hopefully also provide some guidance on security and governance. So Protection of Personal Information Act that you mentioned, for example, will be catered for by Cody, who will ensure the relevant infrastructure and policies are in place to cater for this. And we're just waiting for further details around that. So yeah, still quite a bit of information to be provided by Cody, and we're looking forward to see what the papers contain. 
So earlier in the podcast, we also touched on the concept of a single view or single record of a customer. So having that view of all your customers and their various products in sort of one data repository. And it's something that we often see, especially with large financial institutions, as being considered the, the holy grail. Um, it comes up again and again in the various topics that we discuss. And, you know, we've spoken about it with the uh, complaint management process um, in, a, in a podcast a few a few podcasts ago or episodes ago. And uh, it's come up now with the LIBOR transition in terms of your negotiations with your customers um, and their contracts. So why is that capability so beneficial but at the same time, so elusive or difficult to achieve for financial firms. So there are so many benefits to getting single view of customer correct for banks and in fact, for any institution. Firstly, there's the obvious reduction in costs related to deposit insurance. But more importantly, it would allow banks to better understand their customers and their needs. This in turn allows for better strategic decision making, which would ultimately result in better customer value maximization. If we know our customers, understand their needs and behaviors to the point where we can predict future requirements, we can better tailor our products and services to meet those needs. So a single view of customer leads to better marketing and cross-selling opportunities, client retention, and optimization of all the organization's resources. It also means less complaints and better information available to deal with complaints and any other support queries when they arise basically empowering our staff with the correct information to best assist customers. The biggest barrier to this view is linked to the legacy systems that we've mentioned and the poor data quality. It requires a large amount of effort to try and clean up a bank's client database. Large organizations have products to assist banks, but these come at a huge cost and are not always effective. If the root cause is not addressed, these tools will never be truly effective. When it comes to data, we need to follow the same approach we do with health. Prevention is always better than cure. Banks need to establish strong data asset management and data governance policies to ensure they can avoid these pitfalls in future. Failure to do so will result in a single view of customer remaining forever elusive. Lastly, how have we as Monaco been involved in preparing for the DIS with our banking clients? We've been very fortunate to have been involved with some of the banks from the beginning of this journey. And at one bank in particular, we've been involved in deposit insurance for the last two years. We also have prior extensive experience working with data, single view of customer, and BCBS 239 across various banks. Our resources are equipped with a combination of banking knowledge, including deposit insurance regulation, and technical skills such as SaaS SQL and Power Platforms. This allows us to get involved in the analysis, design, and configuration of the calculation engine as well as a reporting solution. We even have some resources that represent their respective bank in the Banking Association of South Africa meetings, where they provide feedback to Cody around the discussion papers and other challenges identified. So we're very closely involved in the end-to-end -end implementation of the solution. Obviously, each bank is at a different stage of the deposit insurance journey, and so our involvement varies across the banks. The deposit insurance scheme and bank's efforts is a prime example of of getting it right and, and building a sustainable solution so that it doesn't become one of these almost legacy solutions or systems that uh, that impedes that single view so you know i think with the discussion papers and the engagement to come the di is launching 
uh, towards the end of the year is going to become a, a bigger and bigger topic. We're going to have more and more conversations um, as the deadline approaches later this year or close to uh, the beginning of next year. So Abu, thank you for coming onto the podcast and sharing insights on the scheme and single view of customer. Um, it was really insightful. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate the time. For our listeners who would like to learn more about what we do at Monocle, you can visit our website to understand our core capabilities and view our range of insights and Monocle stories. Similarly, if you'd like to contact us, you can find all our details on the website for both our European and South African practices. Abu, thanks again. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. Visit monocle.co.za or co.uk to subscribe for updates. From Johannesburg to London, Cape Town to Amsterdam, Monocle, we design change.